Welcome to the Rap Knuckles podcast, episode 27. In this week's episode, we're talking about the fallout from 270 and what's next for Francis Ngannou, as well as looking at the drama unfolding on AJ, Usk and Fury. Let's do it. Episode 27, Rap Knuckles podcast. Do you know what? There's not a lot to talk about, so I don't even know why we're doing the podcast. <laughs> it's going to be a quick one. Yeah, it's going to be a really, really quick one. So don't don't, don't expect a lot of talking points here. <laughs> How much <laughs> am I joking? Um, look, I, I'll let you start because if I'm honest with you, I, I despite UFC 270 being a brilliant event, um it's really left me feeling quite bummed out and sad to be a fan of the UFC. Um, if we go through just quickly, and I'll let you go on, Sammy. Mm-hmm. But look, key things here are Francis gets it done. He deserves credit with everything that went on. He, Like a true champion, he did what he needed to in order to get the win. He massively bet on himself and it paid off. He's had a, an injury, his ACL, etc. Um, and this man deserves massive credit. And anybody saying, oh, it was a boring fight, etc. Look, fighting doesn't always need to be, I'm going to knock your fucking head off. Sometimes it can be good watching a game plan unfold. Um, and after the, the co-main event, like, I've got even more respect for Francis now, given everything that's gone on, which we'll get into in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it, it's mad, isn't it, that, look, the fight itself, as you just touched on there, the main event and, and Garnu and Gan was not what anyone expected or how anyone expected to play out. Yeah. You know, Gan being far superior on the feet and then Francis sort of resorting to his wrestling, but it's obviously you know, come on leaps and bounds at the same time. I don't think Gan really expected it. Yeah. And then after the way it played out and I, I was quite I was quite happy with how it played out in the end. I was like, I thought Gan was gonna win, but you know, he he didn't lose any stock and Gan who did what champions do and found a way to get it done. And then just straight away with Hunter Campbell putting the belt on instead of um was it Hunter Campbell or McMaynard who put oh, the, McMaynard, sorry. McMaynard, sorry. Yeah. Um, him putting the belt on and Dana sort of just leaving in a strop and not doing the post fight and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it just, you knew everything, despite it being such a good fight, such a good card with the co-main as well, that that was just going to dominate everything that's, yeah. as we've seen, you know, over, over the past couple of days. And it, I felt, it, it, it really annoyed me and I feel like I let Dana and the UFC get away with a lot. Yeah. But it really just brought it to the fore how sort of fucking petty they can be. Uh, it, it it did make me quite sad to be honest. Yeah. I'm quite angry. Yeah, no, looking, I I wholeheartedly agree. Look, I, I I am often, despite being a huge fan of the sport and definitely the promotion, and, and this goes for boxing as well. Look, th- these guys put their lives on the line. Like, make no mistake about that. Like, and later on in life, right? Francis Ngannou is going to feel the effects of some form of CTE, and they don't get paid enough, right? We've talked about that constantly how UFC fighters and MMA in general by the way right 
do get seriously, seriously fucked over. You only have to look at um, in just the, the pay dispensation between a high-level mixed martial artist compared to anybody in the NFL or the Premiership, right? And and what Francis was offered before the fight, and he hasn't taken it. You know, he's talking about leaving seven million on the table and stuff, but to only be paid six hundred thousand dollars as his initial purse. Now, as we spoke just before we started recording, that's not all he's going to get to 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 see. But down the line, he will make pay-per-view points. I think this pay-per-view will do close to a million pay-per-views. I don't know that for definite, but it looks as though it was trending to be quite a big event. But even that, he will still walk away, in my estimate, ensuring, let's say, it was a million-dollar pay-per-view, a million million pound, no, a million viewership pay-per-view, right? He'll still only see, and I'm saying only, but let's be honest, in MMA terms, He'll only see five million, right? That is fucking disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. Like it, it, it blows my mind that, and I said this to you right off the get-go, and you agreed, right? Um, UFC is now. Let if you look at UFC as a sport, right? And you know, I know it's a promotion, but if you look at it as a single entity, right? Take Bellator, take PFL out of it, right? People, when people think about MMA, they think about UFC, right? It's the number one promotion, right? The UFC as a franchise now is probably light years above boxing now in terms of the the regular viewerships that it gets, the interaction, the ticket sales. um, And I I start to think there's multiple stars that the promotion has now, um, but they get paid absolutely piss poor and you can talk about like you know the conor mcgregor's except of this world yeah. conor mcgregor is is an anomaly right there'll never be another conor mcgregor there, there just won't be he has transcended the sport but beneath him there's john jones john jones last year was one in 10 million and he was told that he doesn't draw like deontay wilder Fuck off! Yeah. Like fuck, I, I, I have my gripes with John Jones, right? But at the end of the day, he's the goal, right? Make no mistake about that. Him coming up to heavyweight, which we can get on to after against yeah. Francis Ngannou, will be a massive, massive event if it happens. But the way that the UFC uh, treat the fans, to a certain extent, the way that they treat the fighters, especially is a big fucking slap in the face. And to be, you know, getting crypto.com as a key sponsor that the fighters receive nothing from, it's just, it's sad. And it blows my mind as well that, you know, ESP or, or uh, ESPN, sorry, own them. Disney are, are, are part of that as well. They're yeah. allowing this to happen. This reflects hugely hugely badly on the brand and the, the, the uh, looking at twitter yeah the final thing i'll say on this is i've gotten a little rant but everybody's going at the brand every nobody comes at the ufc the hierarchy comes out good here at all and for dana to not even give an excuse as to you know you could have fucking said oh sorry my daughter ended up being ill i needed to rush home yeah. Didn't say anything. That's yeah. piss poor. That's really, really bad. This is the thing as well, and it, it 
in terms of you, you mentioned there, Endeavor, ESPN, Disney, you know, these conglomerates that essentially run the UFC now. If you look at these, when that was getting put in place, because Endeavor are an entertainment agency, aren't they? Yeah. When that was getting put in place, that purchase of the UFC from the Fatita brothers, they basically got all their sort of big name Hollywood stars and said, right, we're doing this. Get your fucking chairs in. You'll have a piece of the UFC and you're going to, you know, you can, you know, take, just sit there and count your money. And that more resembles, if you think about something like boxing, which is, traditionally sort of a working class man sport isn't it mm-hmm. you know it's for, it's for the public it's you've obviously got these big promoters who you know run it eddie Hearn, frank warren bob Arum, people like that but at the crux of it because it isn't just one organization that runs boxing and there's different pieces of the pie they are sort of they have to sort of give the fighters x amount of money because they're the ones that are drawing it and it's not just one singular company what the UFC is now and with, you know, the people that are controlling it in terms of the them companies, it more resembles, you know, like, you know, Django Unchained where, you know, it's basically Mandingo fighting. Yeah. And it's purely for the rich man's, um, you know, overall it's for the rich man's entertainment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we're going to take all the money off this. And obviously, you know, people can go like me and you, we'll go to UFC London and we're going to love it next Y and Z. Yeah. Yeah, the actual heart of it, that's what the UFC resembles now. Just a load of rich people keeping all of the money. Yeah. And you're saying, all right, we'll have this guy, this guy, this guy, because they've got fuck all elsewhere to go. Yeah. And it, it it's grim and when you put it in them terms. And I think Francis has made a really good point. And I feel like, you know, UFC fights have tried to unionise in the past and they got fucking big names. It was your GSPs and TJ yeah. Dillashaw, Cain Velasquez, people like that. And it didn't even make a dent. It got absolutely nowhere. And it's it's hard to see light at the end of the tunnel for some for some Warren Garn who's doing now, apart from caving and maybe getting a bit of a pay rise. But we talked about this a, a few pods back as to why it, it didn't materialise then. Because what ended up happening is Donald Cowboy Cerrone, TJ Dillashaw, Cain Velasquez ended up getting bumped up in their pay. And because you've just mm. touched upon it, they are really the only player in town, right? They're, yeah. a, they're a fucking monopoly, right? Mm. And, and it's getting to the point now, it's getting laughable. I don't know how much impact and change will happen whether Francis signs on the dotted line and agrees terms with them or he doesn't, if he walks away. If he walks away, it's a statement. But if you look at what Jorge did last year, Jorge went out and he went full tell. He started talking about the, the share ownership, how much the, the fighters received. But what ended up happening, he got a deal against Usman, and now he's laughing. He's gotten two big pay-per-view uh, main events. His contract has been renewed. He's happy with what he's getting paid. So it's hush money. These fighters yeah. get told to shut up. I think the difference with this and this time, Francis isn't backing down. He's going to stand yeah. for what he believes in. And you know what? I think regardless of whether it happens or it doesn't, wherever he goes, he is a huge star now. He's making a stand against the UFC. Um, and I think that what you'll end up seeing is his star power is just going to go through the roof now. I think that my only worry about it all is, look, the logical next step for Francis, if he does walk away from the UFC, 
is a boxing crossover against the Fury or Beyonce Wilder, Anthony Joshua, someone like that. And he will lose them fights. Whoever whoever he boxes against, he will lose. And that's not a slight on him. He's just not a boxer. And the issue is if he does lose and lose quite convincingly, Mm -hmm. he's no longer the UFC heavyweight champion. No. The sort of sparkle and entertainment of seeing, you know, the best heavyweight in the UFC against the heavyweight champion in boxing is gone. Where does he go from there? No, I know. And so, don't get me wrong, you'll get a huge win for, you're talking 15, 20 million dollars or something like that. And if he's happy to sort of do that and chill on that, fair play, it's a great move. But if he's got aspirations of still fighting and things like that, I'd struggle to see where he would go after having a big crossover fight like that. Look, make no mistake, um, the rightful home for Francis is to be in the UFC, right? Yeah. But change needs to happen. But change is only going to happen if, and I think we've said this before as well, if Conor McGregor, Francis Ngannou, John Jones, Izzy Adesanya, they all band together. Those individuals who truly move the needle impact the change because until then it's never going to happen it's never it's nothing's going to change dana except that are going to continue to fucking bully do what they want um dictate and it's on their terms they are independent contractors but the contracts and i don't even know enough about what's in the contracts but everything that i've read or it's been I've, I've, i've seen seems to say that it's all on the UFC terms and not yeah. on the fighters' terms. And I've said before that the NFL looks after their, their footballers after they retire. You know, they've got healthcare plans, et cetera, because obviously, you know, it came out a few years ago that the, the CT is a real thing in their sport. Lots of, um, you know, NFL players have, have struggled with it, you know, brain impact, injuries, et cetera. But there's an aftercare team. They're looking after money managing them, etc. I think one of the smartest things that Francis has done uh, with the purse that he's got, half of it's going into cryptocurrency. Now, I'm not going to make this a cryptocurrency podcast. I don't know enough about it myself. But uh, Kenny Florian today was on Ariel, uh, or yesterday rather, talked a very good game about why this was a smart move. You're seeing Kevin Lee is getting paid in, in crypto by Habib's promotion, Eagle FC. So he's just, there's a smart, smart businessman there at the end of the day. But we should make this podcast all about greed because we'll come on to it afterwards. Yeah. It is an absolute slap in the face in UFC terms that... And Anthony Joshua can get 15 million to potentially walk away, not fight, but Francis gets paid six hundred thousand dollars and is like, like it, mate. But we'll yeah. come on to that in a minute. But I don't know what the answer is here. I hope and I pray that they can come to a, an agreement. But to be honest with you, everything that's coming out of it, the emails, the threats. Before they even got to the stadium, they were threatened to be sued because Francis had engaged in, supposedly, had engaged in a conversation with Jake Paul's business partner about doing a boxing match. Mm. Like, the text message that was sent to Francis Ngannou's manager, which I I, I showed you the screenshot of, is 
racist as they come. It's yeah. an absolute mind blowing. I now I, I would say stress now. There is no claims that it is anybody in the UFC or is it Dana White, etc. But the facts are, it's a Las Vegas number, and it sounds very, very like how somebody uh, with power would speak. Uh, and that's all I will say on the matter. But I, I think it would be character and career assassination if it did turn out to be one of the powers that be at the UFC. What, what I don't get is as well, I mean, because obviously... I highly doubt and hope that it's not who, you know, was that powerful yeah. person that we're on about. Mm-hmm. But I just don't get how it's got to this point where it could be so bitter in terms of not even once being in the cage and doing a press conference. I sent you a screenshot the other day and um, the heavyweight champion one is represented by the same guy as yeah. um, Francis Ngannou. Yeah. And they're having a bit of a back and forth um, in terms of contract negotiations and things like that. But look at agents, managers, whatever. It's their job to drive a hard bargain on behalf of their clients to try and secure the most amount of money for the services. Mm -hmm. That's the job description. You look at people like first round management who ref Masvidal, that Malky Cower or whatever, his clients tend to always get paid. You know, Masvidal got lucky in the sense he needed the last minute replacements, but he got paid. It's the same with Ali Abdelaziz and things like that. It's the job. And look, people may go, you know, about it in dickhead ways. And, you know, we probably come across it in our line of work and stuff like that. You deal with people that you don't want to deal with. Yeah. But it's part of your job. Do you know what I mean? You're always going to come across it. For it to have gotten so sort of venomous and nasty, you, it, it's, it seems just very childish on behalf of the UFC. Just that how... They can be so sort of butthurt and offended by someone, you know, questioning them. Yeah. Not an, an all, you know, an all-seeing power of this, that, and the other. Even though they think that they think and they are pretty much a monopoly. Yeah. There's still sorts of standards and practices. I like to think anyway that you've got to abide by when you're dealing with fighters and thinking about why they got into, you know, Dana White and the Fatitas, why they bought the UFC in the first place because they fucking loved fighting. And yeah. the sort of business opportunity. Yeah. I but mean, now it just seems completely business. It, 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 a lot of fighters have talked about when the Fertitas were there, it was a family run business. Yeah. And Dana would be the yapping dog, but he would say one thing, and the fighters would invariably go to Lorenzo or Frank, and eventually a deal would be made. Since it's become a, 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 you know, a corporate business, it's completely changed. The, the the face of it has changed. Um, even to you know, I know that the the the, the pro mode for the international fight week um, in, in this year. But I've had the chance, luckily enough, to go to one of those international fight weeks. I did it. I think about well, being, it was for my thirtieth actually. So oh fucking hell, uh, <laughs> it was eight years ago. But <laughs> at the time, the UFC was still on this sort of weird trajectory um it was you know very popular don't get me wrong but it still was niche really niche and um, but it oh, the the fighters were a lot more open i mean for fuck's sake i met stipe miocic kevin gastelum um and uh big slow what's his name luke barnett i met mm-hmm. them walking uh, in, a, in a shop in vegas and i stopped them and said any chance i can get a photo with you like the 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 the, the, uh, the intimate 
reactions you could have with them. It, it was just a different, it was a different time altogether. The international fight weeks, from what I have uh, observed now, it's very, very different. It's it's a corporate juggernaut. Um, and on one hand, it's great because it's got the, the brand out there. It's a lot more popular than it's ever been. Fighters are a lot more well-known, but they're not incentivized. They're, they're just not. Like, it's, they're getting fucked over. Um, and I, I would like to think that there could be some sort of rallying call by the fans, etc. But yet, the UFC don't need the fans to a certain extent. Now, yeah, it helps with the gate, but this past two years... They've had what five events or six events that were that were actually you know, brought the crowd back, but they don't need to have crowds because yeah. ASP are guaranteeing them X every year. Um, I don't know what the answer is, uh, and I, I certainly I don't know what's next. I mean, do you believe that the UFC and Francis will come to an agreement? I, I think eventually they will. Um, look, I think everything's very sore at the moment, but I think we've seen even worse relationships than this between Dana and fighters, and they always seem to come to some sort of agreement. Um, so I think they will, but you know, you're talking summer at the earliest. I think you're gonna have to see how this one plays out, see what Dana actually says when he finally surfaces from whatever fucking hole he's in in this massive mansion in Vegas. So I, I think eventually they will because. I think it's very unlikely that Fury will fight Ngannou. And if that doesn't happen, I don't think it leaves Ngannou with very many options. So I think, I know what I, in my head, I'm imagining they come to an agreement and then we get Jones and Ngannou in the summer. I mean, that would be the dream. Yeah. Uh, that was my next question. Because that's what I want, to be honest, in obviously moving more onto the sporting side of it. As I was watching that fight, and when I finished watching that fight on Saturday, the first thing I thought was John Jones is absolutely licking his lips watching this fight because he, he looking at it thinking, all right, Cyril Gann, I can just wrestle for him. You know yeah. what I mean? And Ngannou look got made to look so slow yeah, on the feet. And Ngannou's not going to try and wrestle John Jones, let's be honest with you. So I think he will have been sitting there. And if he ever had any doubts about, you know, maybe coming back, oh, I don't know what it's going to be like. That's the cream of the crop in the heavyweight division there. John, and I, I was literally thinking to myself, John Jones is going to be heavyweight champion by the end of the year. But, right, okay, so we can get on to the technical matters now, right? Let's not forget Francis had an ACL tear, right? Yeah. He had to completely change his whole game because he knew the first two rounds he was, you know, pretty much just hoping for the best. And then that third, fourth and fifth, he, you know, he tried to expel his energy, but it was still tired. Um, the Francis and Garner that's healthy will go in and try and take John Jones head off. And that's why that is going to be an exciting fight because I don't know what John Jones is going to look like with 30 pounds on him or 40 pounds on him, whatever. He wants to be this super heavyweight, right? I, I think that's personally the biggest mistake that he makes because if we're looking at, right, we don't know that Francis has got that knee injury, right? I will concede. I thought, what is going on? Like, why, why is he being so 
uh, tepid? Why is he just not engaging? The, the, like this, was, I thought, oh my god, we're going to watch the Derek Lewis fight all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something's not right there. The uh, again, taking out the the knee injury. John Jones has a field day with that. That t- the John Jones that we know, yeah, field day. But there's so many variables, yeah, and that's why it, it's it's a massive fight. I I, I don't think it does in uh, Habib corner numbers. Because yeah. it was just just a a, a massive storyline there, but that could arguably be a top five pay per view if it's done right. If it's done right, it's got the returning champ, uh, the the returning John Jones. You're trying to go up and be champ, champ. Um, it's got Francis Ngannou. Hopefully, you know the UFC gets his shit together. Um, and and it's literally the two baddest men on the planet fighting. I'm all in for it. I, I, I really do, I want to see it, and I, but I want them both to get paid, and 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 by paid I mean eight figures minimum, eight figures. Yeah. Well, this is it. Like I think, luckily for us as fans, I think the week this weekend's fight it was the best thing that could have happened, because look, if if John Jones isn't going to get his ass into gear after watching that, but obviously, albeit Francis got an injury. But even yeah. more so, look, if Francis has really got the injury as severely as, you know, as he said, you're not yeah. going to see it until August, September, really. Yeah. Because the recovery time and anything like that's ridiculous. Yeah. So that gives John, you announced that fight in June, July. That gives John nine months to think, right, I'm just going to fucking go in and blitz this. Because if he doesn't do it now off the back of that, he never will. Yeah, and I think the one thing is that could sort of help the impasse between Dana White and Francis Ngannou in the team at the moment is the promise of a John Jones fight, which is guaranteed money, renegotiate the shit out of that contract because look, Dana can't pass up on that fight. There's absolutely no way. And as good as sort of some of the heavyweights we like, you know, in terms of your Tom Aspinall and people like that, if you look down at heavyweight, who else do you really want to see Ngannou fight? Maybe Stipe again, maybe. Yeah. But you don't want to see Derek Lewis. You don't want to see Curtis Blades. You don't want to see Garn straight away again. Even though it was a close fight, it wasn't didn't set the world alight. Mm. And then anyone below it, it's far too early. Yeah. So that that's the one, and it ha- it has to get made. Yeah. Year. And I yeah. think that will help. Where does Cyril Garn go from here? Because I I think that there was a slight. Um, obliviousness and you know maybe even arrogance on his camp's part to think that Francis might not change it up and was he just going to try and take his head off I I, I personally think that they dropped the ball in in round five Um, his game plan was all wrong I mean I think the funny thing is and uh, Francis's coach has talked about this when Cyril tried to get the knee bar on and like Francis's knees fucked anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't get any more fucked. So he'd be laughing at that. But like uh Francis has come out and said that he 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 saw himself in Cyril when he first fought Stipe and he gasped at the end and he knew he had him. I, I think that the lessons need to be learned. And and I would also say crucially, the UFC need to be careful with what they do with Cyril now because. Curtis Blades uh, is going to wrestle fuck Cyril. 
Um, and I think that a logical fight uh, for him, I don't think he would the, the, the opponent would take it, but I think a logical fight for him is fighting Stipe. Um, it's a big name, and that could be arguably a number one contender's fight. I don't think we're, we, we will see the last of Cyril Gann versus uh, Francis Ngannou. I, I've said before, I think it's a it's a trilogy um, made for the ages, um, and I think the second fight would be a hell of a lot more entertaining. Yeah, 100%. Look, I think Cyril Gann's still the future of that division. You yeah. know what I mean? There's no doubt about it. And obviously with a bit... He just lacked experience. He's yeah. absolutely right in that. He, 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 everything was spot, 32 rounds, everything was spot on. He did what he needed to do. Yeah. And he probably thought to himself, fuck me, I can't believe how easy this is. In a yeah. sense, I just couldn't get near him. But then even with losing the third and the fourth, that fifth round, for the first minute or so, going to plan for Cyril Gann. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He's winning that round. Then he gets to take down, doesn't he? On, on yeah. Garnet. Yeah. All he had to do was stay on top of him. Yeah. But again, that sort of lack of experience and he, he just got it wrong. And little things like that will cost you in a fight, especially in a five round championship fight. Yeah. But that again, he pushed Francis that close, albeit with an injury. Mm. Imagine when he gets even more fights under his belt. I don't think Cyril is going anywhere. No. It's tough to see who he's going to fight next, if I'm honest with you. And my worry is that with Tom Aspinall fighting Volkov in March, I really worry that they're going to try and rush. If Aspinall wins, they're going to try and put him against Cyril Gann. Again, if Volkov wins that fight, there's your, there's your fight in the summer, isn't it? Volkov yeah. versus Gann. So, Look, there's going to be options for him. He's definitely going to fight for the title again, and I wouldn't be surprised if he won the title. So, you know, there's plenty of options out there. And look, it had shades of, and I'm trying to think, and Garnu first, even when I suppose his career went a different way, but like Darren Till when he first fought Woodley, yeah. where it was like he, he shits himself a bit, you know what I mean? And it was all a bit too much. Yeah. So he'll be back 100%. Just on that, do you, you think that they would put, if Volkov gets a, a win against Aspinall, they'll put him and, uh, and Cyril in again with each other? I could see it. Because, I mean, who else, do you get, who else do you give? I think Volkov's ranked five, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And he's, not, he's, he's already fought Lewis um, fairly recently, hasn't he? So, I don't know. Just, I, I do hope, I mean, look, we can come on to it in a, in a minute, but, you know, Tom Aspinall is now, he's still a work in progress, and I, I fully expect him by the end of the year, and he was, I think, both uh, our fighters to watch in 2022. You don't need to rush it with him, right? You've yeah. got something there. He's a very, very talented heavyweight. He's getting better every time he's in the cage. If he puts on a showing against Volkov, Brilliant, but let's let's just market that right. Let's let's get it right. Cyril, go back to the drawing board, but for fuck's sake, UFC, don't give him Curtis Blades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please don't. Please yeah. don't. Now look on on a kind of happier matters, but the co-main event was absolute money. Um, oh, and, yeah. and, and like, let I want to see them fight all the time. Like it just <laughs> works. Um, I would say. I felt that the commentary team was far too biased on Moreno. Right, I get it. Right, the, the, the UFC have got something now. They talk about him being a superstar. He got a massive pop and reception all week. Um, he's 
the nice guy. We've talked about it. You know, he's he's one of these types that you could actually see him really being something for Mexico. But look, you don't get need to give us that narrative, UFC. You don't need to put that down our throat. Joe Rogan and DC were fucking ridiculous by what they were saying. So many fights. I'm sorry. Like, it really pisses me off. And look, I think. Joe, I don't know if this is just me because he, he obviously seems more popular than ever. Yeah, Joe Rogan really fucking does my head in. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe it's because his profile's been raised, whatever, and I just, you know, I'm jealous of him or something like that. But look, I don't, Dominic Cruz was bang on the money when he said DC is a poor commentator. He's, he's a great hype man, you know, he's good to have there, he's got personality, he doesn't have he doesn't, his intelligence and do what, as Dominic Cruz said, watching tape. Yeah, you know. It's not. It's, there's no comparison between a Bisping and a Cruz in in comparison to someone like Daniel Cormier, and yeah. then Rogan's just like fucking. Just he knows everything, Donny. Do you know what I mean? That's in quotes. By the way, he just doesn't. He ruin a lot of fights for me, to be honest. If he gets something in his head, that's it. He doesn't yeah. get away from that. Who's uh, Larry Merchant? Uh, old boxing. Yeah, yeah, HBO. That issue with Mayweather. He was the same towards yeah. the end of his career. Right, and I'm not saying Joe's towards the end of his career. You know, he's a mainstay, and I, I, I agree with. I think Ariel once said that it feels special when he's on the broadcast because it's a big fight feel. Yeah, but yeah. if he gets something in his head, that's it. He's going to yeah. constantly repeat it, constantly repeat it. Personally, and not because I predicted he would win, but I just felt across the body of the five rounds, right, that Figgy Smalls had the more meaningful shots. Um, maybe not with the volume, but I think he hurt him more, and and I think he finished off every round like a like a like an old school boxer. You know, as soon as the, the it was getting to the end of, uh, yeah. of the round, he he was more devastating. Um, but listen, <laughs> I want to see the fourth fight, and I want to see it in Mexico. Oh, like, <laughs> that's, that's listen, that division. Look, there's some good fighters in it. Them two are by far the best. Yeah. And the fights are just guaranteed to entertain them. You know, they're always going to provide. So that fourth one has to happen. It's one apiece with a draw. I actually, I have Moreno, but again, narrowly. You know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't like Moreno got robbed or if it were the one the other way, Figgy wouldn't have got robbed. Yeah. They're just so closely matched. Yeah. It, I could watch them fight every single day of the week. It was fun. Yeah. And they both absolutely smashed it again. Just on that, I don't know if you've seen the picture. But when the, the, the judges, uh, the, the sorry, um, when the announcement's made, Joe Rogan is looking dumbstruck. Like, he can't believe that Figgy's got the result. Like, even that, just, like, yeah. be a little bit neutral. Like, for yeah. fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and be, be thankful of the fact that, actually, that there could be another fourth um, uh, fight out of that now, and don't get me wrong, like Kai Car France, etc. Um, it, it, you know he deserves a, a crack at it eventually, but let's make that happen again because it's it's great. Um, fucking stadium in Mexico in the summer, it's got awesome. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so look, I won't make a big deal of it, but I did actually predict and uh, that Ngannou and Figgy would. <laughs> we are two and all. However, 
there is an asterisk to that because we didn't actually put it out on social media. So does it count? No, probably not. Um, but look, it, it was it was an event that I, I felt was successful. You know, great wins for Namaga Madoff uh, in the first round. Um, Michael Morales the defeating Trevin Giles by first round KKO. Uh, our man Victor Henry with a beautiful flowing hair. Him and Baracelos came to fight. That was an amazing fight. Um, and then big shout out to, I'm going to murder this, but in the, the opening fight, Vanessa Dimpilelos defeated Silvana Gomez Suarez uh, by first round submission. Amazing. And Matt Vrlova defeating Valdez by first round TKO. Absolutely brilliant. I hope yeah. they get paid. Yeah, it was a good card. Um, so look, we've got boxing drama going on, um, and you and I have been going back and forth over the last two days. I have no fucking clue where we're at with things on this. Uh, is AJ fighting? Is is he not? Is he stepping aside? It just blows my mind. If we're looking at at this moment in time that it's still potentially up in the air, right? I've said this before on the biggest AJ not hugger there is, right? But I did say to you, if he decides to accept the money, I personally will never, ever go and see him fight live again. I'm done. Because ultimately, you know, he talked on IFL TV about legacy and about getting redemption and about really he knew what he did wrong in the first bout and needs to, to, to sort of rectify it. His ambition and true standing as a fighter, yeah, not a businessman, but as a fighter, comes into question and he's hoarding himself out for, let's be honest, a sum of money, which to you and I would be game-changing. But yeah. to a man that's already worth at this moment in time, I think 130 million pounds, and yeah. who made more, double I think, to fight this the first time, and who will probably make even more money in the rematch. He doesn't need the money, and that is pure fucking greed. Yeah, well, this is it. And look, a lot of people, it's it's just disappointing because the thing is about Joshua, he's coming off a loss as well, so he's got he's got everything to prove. That enough should be able to fuel you to get in the gym, yeah. And you know, literally to go Rocky Four style in a fucking cabin, in pre- preparation for this rematch, and to go in and take you six head off. Look, he, he's smart, and look, boxing is a short career. I understand, but as you mentioned, there he will make more money in a rematch, and it's really pissing me off that a lot of people and podcasts out there are. Um, sort of defending him a lot and saying, oh, well, you do this and it makes perfect sense. You get 15 million longer what you're paying there and then um, you fight the winner, guaranteed. That's bullshit. It doesn't matter what contract it is. Yeah. If the only way he's fighting the winner of that, uh, if the undisputed fight happens to Fury and Usyk, is, is if Usyk wins. Yeah. And again, if Usyk wins, there's going to be a rematch. So you're not fucking getting anywhere near that. Yeah. If Fury wins... He does not. I, I like. I would eat this hat that's on my head right now if Tyson Fury won that fight and then fought and carried on fighting, unless it was a crossover with Ngannou for like an exhibition-y type thing. Yeah. There is no way. Tyson Fury would love nothing more in his heart 
to win the undisputed, retire undefeated as you know the best ever, whatever. Uh, he's in his ESPN deal alone, which has got one fight left on it, was worth something like eighty million dollars or a hundred million dollars. He doesn't need the money. He would love, love to leave Eddie Hearn and Joshua just stuck in his way and said, "No, I'm retiring. You're never going to get to fight me, and I'm always going to be the best." Yeah, that is Tyson Fury's character to a T. Yeah. So Joshua is absolutely fooling himself if he thinks that if he steps aside and Fury wins, he's going to get a crack at it. Because one, I, I I very much think Fury wins that fight as well in an absolute snooze fest. So the the, the plan in there, I see it in an ideal world, but in, if you look at it in real terms, real life terms. The worst thing he could possibly do for his credibility and also his career is to take that step aside money. Because even if he went be too sick and becomes undisputed, if for some reason you sick one, you'll always have that asterisk next to it. They never beat Tyson Fury. Exactly, exactly. And 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 look again. I want to see the Fury fight as as much as anybody. Right. I, I it's it's big for British boxing, but I I feel again another slap in the face that. Fury and Cole and Usk want to go to the Middle East to do it. Yeah. To, to, to find out the unanimous uh, you know, heavyweight champion, like something we've never had before. I mean, Lewis didn't have all the belts, but do you know what I mean, right? Yeah. It's an absolute travesty. And again, <laughs> goes back to what we've been talking about. <laughs> Fucking greed. Business yeah. and getting involved in the fight game. Um, and it is a money spinner, right? But imagine just how good it would be if, you know, and I'm romanticising this, Fury fights while, um, Fury fights Dylan White and disposes of him. AJ gets redemption against Usyk. You're now building the biggest fight in boxing history. Yeah. And it could all be on British shores at Wembley. Who's the best in the world? Like, why is that so difficult for people to fucking accept? Like, and and again, I, I'm I'm surprised at Anthony Joshua to even consider it. The last uh, thing I read was an interview with Eddie Hearn, who's saying AJ's conflicted. Why are you fucking conflicted? What are you conflicted about? What the fifteen million is going to buy you? Like, why not just like you said? Go Rocky Four on this and just get your titles back. It's just ridiculous. And I know we said, hopefully, he, you know, he's going to do the right thing and fight too sick again. Because uh, before we did the pod, I saw Tyson Fury put on a video, as he's been doing for the last couple of days, and um, saying that Hearn and Josh would have just missed out on 90 million, which I assume was maybe in the contract of what, you know, the two fight thing that they potentially earn. Um, so that's good news, but uh, you just can't hold your breath. It's been pushed back again till Friday now, hasn't it? Um, and you, again, you, boxing had a tough year. Well, it had a tough couple of years during the pandemic, and it sort of brought came back around September time. We had Joshua Rusick, Fury Wilder three, Canelo fighting however many times, yeah. and it's just getting back on its feet. If this happens now. It, you just like you, you just despair with it, especially from a British perspective. And you, you've got the added factor of Dillian White, who look 
he, he's been he's been done over a bit with the 80-20 pair split, which yeah. WB said that um will be in favour of Tyson Fury. But to be honest, that's still a shitload of money. Dillian White has served his time, obviously, as the mandatory for a while. But he's also turned down world title eliminators. He's turned down an Anthony Joshua fight for three belts or whatever. He's not innocent in that. And realistically, if he really fucking backs himself to go and win the world title, as he's been moaning about for the past two years, he should accept that 80-20 split, which guarantees him anyway over $10 million or pounds or whatever. The most he's ever made. Pardon? The most he's ever made. Yeah, the most he's ever made. Go and win the fucking belts and then defend them. And then you can command all the fucking money you like. It's I'm really like, do you see how annoyed I'm getting about all this now? It's just it, it baffles me the egos and just the lack of self-awareness in the approach to all of it. Yeah. It's very annoying. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, again, it's my biggest gripe with boxing. You get far too many egos in a room and they can't ever make a fucking decision. Um Look, you know, you've, you've answered where, I, where does it leave Dylan White, but again, I, you know, I personally think from a box office perspective that Dylan White versus Tyson Fury would have more viewership than Usk Fury. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, I know that there's, there's all the belts on the line, etc., prestige, but if you look at what Dylan White, Dylan White, sorry, brings to the table, he's entertaining, right? Whether he gets knocked out or he does the knocking out, the, the build-up to that fight, as we've talked time and time again, would be exciting. They would bring the best out of each other, right? Yeah. He ain't going to back down from Tyson Fury, um, and Tyson Fury's going to give as good as he gets. And the matchup, stylistically, just gels. Yeah. Usyk versus Tyson Fury... <laughs> may be beautiful for the sweet science, but it's not going to get bums on seats. Yeah. AJ versus Usyk in the rematch is who knows what's going to happen. Usyk came close to stopping him. Make no mistake about that. You know, if that fight had gone on another 30 seconds, AJ's done. Can AJ get back to some snarling beast that we know he's capable of does he have it left in him? Is he just this fucking corporate juggernaut who just wants to make cash and fuck off to the right off into the sunset? Who knows? But those are two better fights than the yeah. one that they're trying to sort out. And it's a fact. And who are the people that ended up losing out? Fight fans. Yeah, as, as usual. As usual. As usual. Um, on a happier note, um, UFC London is about to be uh, uh, announced in its full card. Um, Tom Aspinall's getting a crack get at Nikolai Volkov, as we know. Um, potentially, Paddy the Baddy is going to be on the, the card as well. Um, Arnold Allen's going to fight Dan Hooker. Um, oh, it's literally, you know, the, the, the good things that UFC do is when they yeah. come to a city, they stack the deck they are really making this feel like it's the UK versus the world. Um, and they're putting on enough entertaining fighters. The matchups are really good. And this is something that I can get down with. Again, I hope the fighters get fucking paid. Yeah, well, that's it. I think we've got Meatball on there as well, haven't we? Oh, Meatball Wally, yes, of course. Yeah, like the new guy, Mokiev or something. Yes, 
He's mm. going to be special. Yeah. Um, and I really hope that Ian Gary can they can throw him in the mix somehow as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually saw, I think I saw something with Gary. I think he might be fighting the week after, you know, in America. Really? Apparently, yeah. Which is a bit shit, but I know. But then, of course, he's not he's he's not a Brit, is he? He's Irish, so they might. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> um, look, I think we have really we've spoken the world to rights there. We've um, we can impact change, Sammy. We yeah. can impact change. Yeah, and, and, then, and I say I'm... that I say that, but we're still going to try and pay a fuck ton of money to get UFC tickets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we look, we look on over the pie then, just like Dana and Francis. <laughs> right, great pod as ever. Um, Thanks for listening to us moaning. Yeah, sorry, we'll, we'll probably be a little bit upbeat, but next week, next week, can I announce it? Yeah, fuck okay, it, do it. Right, next week, we are going to change things up slightly on the podcast. So, yeah, we'll have a little, little bit uh, about the fights of Bellator, etc. over the weekend. But we're actually going to be doing something a little bit more unique. And we're going to be talking about the career of Floyd Mayweather. On one camp, there's going to be, was he a GOAT? And then on the other camp, I'm thinking you can maybe guess who's going to be in that camp. It's going to be he is a genuine goat. So we will be putting Mayweather's career to rights. Um, so keen to get everybody's take on that. And every four weeks, we're going to be mixing that up. The second episode on this different spin-off that we're doing will be on Joe Calzaghe as well. Mm, yeah, I'm looking forward to these little deep dive. So, yeah, make sure you tune in for them. Peace. Right. Thanks, mate. No worries, mate. Cheers. Bye. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week.